This is Passing for Normal, conversations with artists, activists, and awakeners about how they are seeding change in the world. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, author of Donnie and Ursula Save the World and the new book, Changeability, a work of nonfiction exploring how to navigate change with more effectiveness and ease. How do you find courage? How do you become more effective in navigating change? Find out when you join us for fun and insightful discussion with some very inspirational people about how to turn purpose and passion into action, while at the same time, passing for normal. Hello and welcome to Passing for Normal Season 2, where my guests are social activists and advocates Paul Rogart Loeb and John Weeks. In season one of our show, I spoke with a number of amazing change makers and change writers, not only about the incredible work they were doing in the world, but also about how they do it. How is it that they are so brave or so resourceful, so helpful or remain so hopeful in the face of disappointing setbacks? Their wise answers to me became part of a new book, Changeability, How Artists, Activists, and Awakeners Navigate Change, and inspired me to deeply contemplate the very nature of change and how to best meet change in this fast, ever-changing world. In the book, I identified seven principles for change, whether initiating change, inspiring change, or adapting to existing change. These principles are interdependent and all present in how we navigate the personal and public changes of our lives. So what I want to do now is go back and engage the very guests that inspired my thinking about change, go back to them and deepen our discussions about these principles in Passing for Normal, the Changeability series. So today we'll be talking about Proceed Incrementally. Proceed incrementally is the principle that speaks of strategy in our approach to navigating change. Change is always moving and it moves incrementally, step by step, moment to moment. The best actions often begin small and steady and continue to ripple out over time. Paul Loeb and John Weeks have each been working incremental change in large arenas for a very long time. Paul Loeb in social engagement for social change and John Weeks in bringing complementary healthcare disciplines into mainstream media. So I want to welcome you both. Glad to be here. Good to be here. Great. I am so happy to, um, to have you both be here together. And it turns out that you are both also really good friends, right? Oh, yeah. One of my closest friends. That's absolutely the case. Yeah, so that makes it so much fun for me. Um, So before we begin, I'd like to give our listeners a little background on each of you, if I may. Paul Rogart Loeb is a renowned writer, speaker, and activist. He has spent over 40 years researching citizen responsibility and empowerment, asking what makes some people choose lives of social commitment while others abstain. His books, Soul of a Citizen, which inspires citizen activism, and The Impossible Will Take a Little While, an anthology of activist achievements, have won numerous awards and praise. He has founded the Campus Election Engagement Project, a national nonpartisan effort that helps colleges and universities enroll millions of students to engage in elections. And I'm sure Paul's going to have a lot to say about this election that we've got coming up. John Weeks is a writer, organizer, executive, and consultant in the field of integrative health and medicine. Known as the integrator, John has helped organize the most significant collaborative forums among disciplines and stakeholders nationally and in Canada. 
Having written hundreds of columns, research papers, and articles on integrative health topics, John has worked as a consultant with hospitals, professional organizations, insurers, government agencies, and academic institutions on key policy, economic, and academic issues. In 2014, he received a Lifetime Achievement Living Tribute Award from three prominent consortia in the field for his, de for his decades of work. And so, two very accomplished, dedicated men. Um, thank you for being with me and for talking about the work that you've been doing for so long. So, proceed. We decided, we decided to do this instead of walking my dog together like we usually do. Oh, uh -huh. I know. <laughs> you have to. Great. Well, I'd probably like to listen in on some of the conversations that you have on your dog walks. Um, so proceed incrementally. Um, you both work in large social systems that require big change and are, let's face it, slow to change. So how is it that you have been able to sustain strategies that keep moving your agenda forward? Go ahead, Paul. Well, I think to me, I always sort of take heart from when I do have victories. So there's setbacks and there's victories, and both are going to be in, you know, well, I don't know if the victories are in that, but certainly the setbacks are. And so, you know, if I look at, I mean, if I've had a hard week, trying to, you know, foundation grant fell through, donor fell through, whatever it is, trying to raise the resources. And basically what we do in our project is we get colleges and universities to use their institutional resources to help students register to vote navigate new voting laws, volunteering campaigns that they're choosing, and turn out at the polls and educate myself on issues. And so what keeps me going, I think, is just that I will hear, I'll get on a staff call, which we have every other week because we have a dispersed staff in 16, 17 states, and they'll say, oh, did you know the Chicago um, county clerk, uh, or, or Cook County, I guess it is, you know, is now setting up early voting stations at all these community colleges in Chicago because of the work that we did. And I'm like, that is awesome. You know, that, you know, it's this tangible measure of progress. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that every school in the country has early voting stations. Doesn't mean that, you know, that, all, that they're all doing exactly what we want. But it's like, I can take something like that and, you know, it can feed me psychologically for, you know, another week. And then I'll get another story. And, mm -hmm. you know, here's, you know, here's a breakthrough at the biggest community college in Virginia, and it's taken a while to happen, and in a while, meaning several years, but suddenly through you know, a person who knew another person, you know, we're suddenly inside the doors instead of outside. And so I think, particularly from my project, but I suspect it's actually true for John's as well, um, it is really measured, and sometimes, sometimes it's measured in inches. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, mm -hmm. it's, you make a gain, you make another gain, and if you say, well, the goal is, in my case, to transform the you know, American education system, higher ed system, to take responsibility for the students voting, and in John's case, to transform the, the medical and everything health systems that go with it to, to actually deal with the realities you know, in a way they deserve, uh, you know, we, we, I think we take heart from those incremental gains. Yeah, it's a good. Yeah, I can totally, totally align with that. I, I actually um, can't not mention one of the 
classic rules for radicals, which is to choose winnable goals, which is the kind of conscious orientation around around doing things that you that that you can get done on your way to the bigger picture, rather than continuously having the the big thing in front of you that is can be incredibly overwhelming. But to, and and then take pleasure in those things, and of course some of them are things that you target. And then, and then, just by being active, um, then then good things show up along the way, and and um, your job is to you know to take advantage of re- relishing that moment, whether it be, for instance, in, in our field, um, by and large, the chiropractors, acupuncturists, naturopathic doctors, and even integrative medical doctors, for for that matter. Are not truly considered part of the workforce in U.S. healthcare planning. Well, to to obviously to get them to be considered part of the workforce is just a stage towards a goal, which is to have them fully engaged in the workforce, which is part of a goal of creating actually better health through better interprofessionalism. But a step along that way was getting an invitation to speak at the national workforce meeting of the uh, Amer- the Association of American Medical Colleges for the first time a couple years ago. And so you know, we're, we're not where we want to be, but we celebrate the fact that for the first time, in fact, in history, hmm. that meeting was integrated with the voice of someone speaking for those disciplines and, and their po- potential contributions began to be part of the dialogue. Small steps that, that you celebrate. And then, you know, um, Sharon, from my work as a chronicler with the Integrator blog, a lot of what I do is going out and finding those small moments and celebrating the people that were involved in creating them um, and, and um, um, you know, celebrating the fact that we've, we've made that advance. One of the things we do is we, when the campus we work with, we stipend thousand dollar student fellows, and we did a bunch of Miami Days, which is the 165,000 uh, student system in Miami at Community College. And the I love I love the way that the Miami Dade Civic Engagement Coordinator phrased it, and he said, you know, because of what you've done and the fellows, he said, you know, we've done more than we ever had. He said it's nowhere near where we ultimately want to be, but it's so much more than where we've been. And I think that again, that's the that's the, you know that's the measure of it, because I'd say the same thing about our project, you know. Right. So celebrating every inch, uh, which also you know, like John, you're saying, when you tell the stories of others who are accomplishing their inch, that it you know becomes a real inspiration. Um, so change doesn't move in a straight line, even if you've got a goal that's set you know way ahead of you, and you're celebrating inch by inch. So. Do these inches add up? How how do these inches? How do these small moments add up? Because they're not necessarily moving in a straight line, right? Absolutely. Let let me just one of my um, uh, favorite sharings about this world is about the paradox that most of us veterans live with. If we put ourselves in the, our mind in 1985 about what we wanted to have accomplished. That was when I got started back then. By now, um, it can be utterly dismaying, obviously, given the case of the, the shape of the U.S. medical delivery um, uh, system or lack of system. 
Um, yet when we sit here in 2016 and look back, it's just awesome how far we have come through these various steps. And and you're right that the 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 movement is not. It's a mixture, actually. It's not linear, but we said you set a course towards towards uh, you know what you wish to accomplish, and but things things happen around the edges, mm-hmm. and the most um, uh, positive way of viewing the term, uh, it, I think it's often smart to to work opportunistically. Um, and 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 being able to respond, but still, you know, the, the the basic rules of getting things done that are taught in, in I think most, uh, you know, business consultation that you, you can't get to a place and it just unless you set your mind towards it and and then develop a a, a game plan for getting there. Uh, that that's critical. So that that sort of linearity is is key. And yet you need to maintain responsiveness to the kinds of opportunities that show up. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's that, um, right, it's that oppor- looking for opportunities on the edges while at the same time move, trying to move forward. So, um, you know, we experience change uh, in terms of rhythm and pace, right? You know, there, we call it slow change, we call it fast change, we call it too fast change when people get overwhelmed sometimes when things are moving too fast or when things are moving too slowly, as I'm sure both of you have experienced. Um, people get enormously frustrated and discouraged. Um, so how do you work with the pace of change? I, I know for myself, the, the sense that there's something I can do is really useful because th- there are, there are going to be defeats and you know over, you do this stuff long enough there are going to be you know plenty of points where you just feel like oh god you know this is horrible you put your heart into it it hasn't had the achieved results the things are not what they should be for the country or the planet uh, you know often you know in terms of achieved results often some factors completely beyond your control. Um, but to me, the way I would say that the, that how you go forward is just saying, okay, is there anything I can do? Mm -hmm. Because there always is. I mean, I remember there was an election. I was not very happy with the result and I went for a run on the beach, the beach that John and I, it's a mile from my house and about five blocks or six blocks from his house. And, uh, um, you know, it's where I run. And yeah, I, and I was just sort of thinking, okay, is there anything I can do? There are things I can do. I will do them. Versus saying I'm powerless. And I think a lot of times, a lot of people feel powerless in this society, and so they, you know, so they just sometimes they lash out, sometimes they go into holes, sometimes they have resignation. But to me, if I don't, if I feel like there's something I can do, then I'm not powerless. If I feel there's nothing I can do that's when you just crawl into the hole. So to me, that's what makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I guess I'm pretty good at coming up with things I can do. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. we need that. And John, what about yeah, you? I, yeah, I, I, um, I, I'm not sure if I, I gained this perspective from working with academics who typically um, uh, get really comfortable with things moving slowly <laughs> or... Or, or, or working with people who are who are meditators, 
and and mm-hmm. uh, teach you to breathe and take a long view. But um, I, I, whenever I hear somebody say, "Okay, John, we got to get involved, involved in this thing now. We've got it. It's a two-year window of opportunity. We've got to get on it. We've got to move forward now, or we're just going to lose our entire opportunity, and you know, the sky is, is going to fall." I I hear that now, and I I just say, "Whoa, whoa," um, you know. Uh, I I you know because I'm not working in an election cycle like Paul is. Um, uh, so much, um, but I I tend to just say, hold on, you know what? What we're working for and towards here is is actually something that's going to continue to need and value various inputs towards the change in the big picture for a long, long while, and and we can do what we can, and in this two-year period, and if we do it well and fail by some measure, but if we've done well, we've created positive value, and, and, and that positive value will be based for whatever the next thing is over the next two years. Um, so I, I partly deal with it by not getting caught up into that um, kind of a horrifying prison of needing to work 18 you know, or 20 hours a day, because otherwise, how the heck can we get it done in time? Um, so that's a that's a big change for me. It's been only over the last, so I say, ten or fifteen years that I've begun to see things this way. But it certainly it works for me uh, to stay pinned to the big picture um, um, and, and realize that you know um, I suppose it's sort of an energetic view of the universe. But if you keep continuing to work. And, and and create these small things along the way, then 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 good comes of that, and and, um, uh, and there's no loss, and it, and it and it keeps you keeps me from the the sort of rat race view of social change. <laughs> the rat race view of social change, I like that. Um, right. So sometimes we have these external deadlines or election cycles or these, you know, marks to hit in a particular timing that drive us and make us feel like we have to do this quickly, quickly. Right. But but oftentimes changes are being initiated internally. Right. And so there's a there is a different sense of timing or no sense of timing. And yet people so often have such a sense of urgency or they they're always feeling like it's never enough or it's not enough or it's not fast enough nothing's happening right i mean you deal with this all the time well and then that is the sense also of having to do everything um i mean it's it's interesting to me because you know i'm I'm very focused and i have a very significant deadline that is ticking and there are all these things that are really important that other friends are involved in and I'd like to be involved in, I just have to say, you know what, you can't. But I also know that there are these other people who are carrying the ball on these, on these other things. And so I think part of the challenge is, to, you know, I talk about this in my Soul of a Citizen book, is to be able to recognize that you don't have to take on everything. And no, none mm-hmm. of it can, and mm-hmm. if you do, you're going to burn out. Mm-hmm. So I think, I yeah, think Paul, that I'm... sense of different roles is, is real important. Yeah, I totally support that. I I, um, I think I learned it first from two of uh, the female social change people. One of them was Mary Kay Becker, a state legislator here, who 
I observed as a reporter in in Olympia that that um, she used to throw. I knew that she was kind of more of a progressive than some of the rest of the caucus, and she just voted with the caucus on a whole lot of stuff in order to keep herself focused in the area of areas of prison reform that was a core focus of her. The other another was was uh, Francis Morlapay, whose um, work on food policy um, is a major mentoring for me but she said early on you know everybody's not going to be a food activist um right. you know there will be people who will be food activists and there will be people who will be working to turn out the vote in schools and people who will work to create a um, you know a, a medical delivery organization in the u.s that will be more inclusive of the various traditions of of, of health and healing around the world which is what i you know what i do and um that's a it's it's actually it's a very positive thing to realize who was it Paul Hawken who had the idea that he was going to list all of the social change organizations um in a few areas uh, a few years ago and and when he started trying to do it and realized how many there were that were involved in social justice the environment or transforming healthcare it was an endless endless number of mm-hmm. groups around the world it was an astonishing awareness even to him to discover once he started plowing into it just how many people were working and how many different ways to be part of this change process right so part of working incrementally is just recognizing that whatever your small action is whatever part you play is is helping is contributing it's moving. You know, I want to add, add I think I sh- I've shared this with Paul because Paul is who gifted me with this line from his, mm. his, his, um, his book on um, uh, Impossible, Impossible Will Take a Little While. while. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm going to say. It was the quote from Vaclav Havel, and I, and I just can't think about my relationship to change without thinking about the quote. Um, it, it's you know it's that hope is not the same thing as optimism. It, it's you know when when you living with optimism is this idea that it's going to get better. Uh, it's just if instead you locate yourself into in in what hope is in his thinking, which is recognizing that something is valuable, um, and 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 therefore you do it for that purpose. Uh, what happens at that moment is you realize hope is actually a verb. And once you're operating in in the the tunnel of hope, you see other people who are also operating beside you. You find them. You connect to them. You you make that larger. You celebrate them. And 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 once you if you step back and you stop operating and you become the arm armchair uh, observer, um, honestly, much of what's going on in this world. Um, viewed rationally is not very pretty and you can sit there and you can be utterly dismayed very quickly but as soon as engagement begins as soon as one operates with that type of hope then it it changes one's relationship to these these sort of uh, big ideas about how fast we need to be moving and whether we're failing Um, you know we're doing as good as we can as well as we can with the resources we have, as long as that's what one is feeling internally. Yeah. You know, there, 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 yeah, there's a role for seeking, 
for seeing your therapist in this process. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think and there's a quote I use a lot from Jim Wallace of the magazine Sojourners, which is hope is believing in spite of the evidence and then watching the evidence mm-hmm. change. And I mm-hmm. use that together mm-hmm. with the Havel quote that, that John just mentioned. And, and, and to me what they're saying, again, it goes back to can you do something about it? And, I mean, I would argue that really everyone can do something about these large ills. They just can't do it alone. They have to figure out ways to mm-hmm. connect with other people in the community. And then sometimes, you know, I, well, I was thinking we both live in Seattle, and there was a there been a lot of done deals on the environmental front those last couple of years that turned out not to be done deals. Mm. So one of them was the Keystone Pipeline. And I this friend who lives in Nebraska where it was going to go through, and she sort of didn't know what to do and took the radical action of holding a potluck and um, – three or four people come in, then a few more, and then a few more, and then lo and behold, um, they're organizing all over the state, and TransCanada, the company that was putting together, has this ad up at the football stadium, and the stadium erupts into booze, and that was the point where she said where she knew that there was a chance that she, yeah. they actually could stop this, whereas when they'd begun, they really assumed that they couldn't, but they're going to try anyway. Um, you know, so so you just you just don't know, and I think this is true with all of these kinds of things. And I can, you know, I can look back in retrospect and see things that I have done that made a significant difference. But at the time, very open question. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, and as I was writing this book, and as I was thinking really deeply into hope and what it was to have hope, I recognized that hope is something that lifts. You know, it inspires, it lifts, it holds up a possibility, and it has to be renewed all the time. It doesn't really sustain without action, without fire, without like strengthening your compelling reason why you're doing it. And so it's what guides us, hope guides us that there's something possible, but it always requires like constant renewal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's, um, it's, 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 I think, and, and once, one kind of gets in the groove with operating that way. Um, uh, you know, it, it can just end up being kind of who one is. Um, I, and I, I suppose I speak somewhat uh, presumptuously. I, I've been lucky enough to be able to do with my life um, uh, work that's allowed me to, to, to engage, hopefully, in things, and and I realize that the, that's not something that everybody gets to do. Um, so I, I suppose I should retract a bit of what I just said, out of out of respect for the good the good fortune I have to have been able to live my life this way. Well, but given your good fortune, you are uh, you're maximizing your good fortune, and you are helping inspire others. Um, you know, and it's like what you're saying about uh, you know celebrating every incremental victory right you know that keeps renewing hope every time even if it feels like a hopeless cause or a really long road ahead every time you celebrate an incremental victory there's your hope gets renewed again yeah let let me give you an example i i am a good friend of mine who paul knows pamela snyder she's a leading uh naturopathic doctor and um, in the country, and uh, she and I have a saying that all we want to do is change the therapeutic order of the nation, which is to use sort of least invasive things first and not you know, jump to opioids, but use 
uh, for instance, pain care and use things that are are um, less less invasive whenever you can. Never only opioids, we call it, but it's a it's a big vi- vision to create a you know medical delivery system that actually does follow a new therapeutic order. When we started talking this way, and now over the last ten years, we've seen the advent of this group of medical doctors. Um, uh, that are now have a board certification and then their early descriptions of themselves about what they stood for, they had implanted in there a therapeutic order type uh, concept. The, the chiropractors who believed in conservative care, which is their language for it, have actually come out in, in uh, press releases and good for them, recommending all of the types of uh, kind of non-traditional care that help us to reverse the therapeutic order. And you see this language showing up in other forums where the concept is now uh, kind of in the room. Um, and of course, once the concept's in the room and more people begin to think about, oh, look at there, there, there really does make a good deal of sense <laughs> for us to rearrange which, what comes when. Um, and um, again, these these are uh, these are all little incremental steps that begin to create a context where where larger change is beginning to happen around them. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So, in the work that each one of you does, it requires a tremendous amount of patience. Um, and so I would like each of you to speak to me about patients, how you find patients, how you work with patients, because um, taking this road requires lots of it. It's funny. I, I don't think that there are too many people who know me would say that I have any. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. I was going to say the same thing. I'm probably one of the least patient people I know. Okay, but yet, but yet <laughs> you have person, to find so Like it. Rebecca, my wife, says, Rebecca, my wife, says, you know, the serenity prayer, you know, Paul is the person who says, what do you mean things you can't change? How you say, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it, I think it's, it's back to, it's not so much patience as pacing. Ah. You know, um, and I mean, stubbornness. I think stubbornness is and, really big, too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Cool. And, and then there's sort of the, the, the motivation via fury and sometimes anger that actually can help at certain points along the way. Um, uh, but, um, I, you know, I think it's, there's, there's sort of a, there's a, I, I think of having more, having patience with, with colleagues, with the others with whom I, you know, I work to, to uh, know that, you know, everybody's dancing to a different sort of drummer you're you're working to work collaboratively and and for everybody that pace is going to be different um and and you know what you want to do is not force everybody to the same commitment but then but instead work for them to honor the commitments that they make you know mm-hmm. help identify what pace works for them in the context of what else they've got going on um, but but not you know anticipate that everybody's going to throw themselves into yeah. it in the same sort of way. Um, I mean I deal I with that. that I I, I, I have to deal with that with staff a lot. Basically, 
some of the staffers just really do throw. I mean, we've got, I think, about 18 staffers at this point, plus 150 fellows, that we'll, student fellows that we'll have. So, you know, it's a pretty big operation. And, um, you know, I have to recognize that some of them do indeed just throw everything into it, and some are more measured, but they still do a really good job. And mm-hmm. respecting that, that variance is really, and that variance of styles. And, you know, some yeah. people really can just put, you know, go to the mat and it feeds them. And other people, they just need more time away. And, that, you know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. 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 And we have a mutual friend who, his name I won't say that, but he, he, he was a sort of fanatic, full-time uh, activist in this, this area whose spouse was uh, also a, a very committed activist. What she did, however, is she kind of hid hers between, you know, eight and six. And mm-hmm. um, or um, and and she got a heck of a lot done. It was just again a different style, and um, so it's, uh, it's just a, that, that's 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 the point. Is is as Paul said, is, um, seeing people have different rhythms and how how they work. Great. Well, our time is uh, coming to a close here. I hate to say. Um, so before we end, um, could each of you tell our listeners how they can find you, how they can get on board with what you're doing, um, fuel your fire? So, Paul, you want to start? Sure. I mean, if they want my books, the best, uh, org is probably the easiest URL to remember. And if they want to look at the Campus Election Engagement Project, it's campuselect.org, or just put in campus election engagement project. And uh, anybody here who has, has any resources, we are trying to get students on the ground to get their schools involved. And uh, if you care about what happens in selection and the future of America, it's probably not a bad cause to contribute to. Um, and we are, we are nonpartisan, of course. Um, so that's how you reach us. Fantastic. John? Or- yeah, for me, I think the best place now, I'm kind of transitioning websites, but my new one is, it's johnweeks-integrator.com. That's I-N-T-E-G-R-A-T-O-R. And there's a place there for those who are interested where you can sign up for a free newsletter. I, I push out content a couple or three times a month to those who want it, and uh, there's a place to sign up for that there. Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much. I have so much admiration for the work that you do Mm -hmm. in the world and for the hearts that um, you have that motivate you to do this work. And I just thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. We got to get you up here to hang out with three of us sometime. Okay. I I can bring a dog and walk a dog. Absolutely. Reggie's very ecumenical. very ecumenical. That's right. It, it, it could it could be that we um, we have to make sure that we have the patience with our the taste that our dogs have and how they may respond differently and what they need than what we would like. There you go. They'll be your teachers for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye bye. Very good. Thanks. See ya. This has been Passing for Normal, conversations about seeding change in the world. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to SharonWeilAuthor.com. 
You can also find out more about Changeability, the book, and about all of the guests featured in this podcast at that website. Large or small, go out today and make a brave change. Whether creating something new or responding to a changing world, navigating change is the new stability.